All right, well, good morning again. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this morning with you. That's the best part about uh, knowing people like Patrick is I get to come and share in, in a lot of different places and a lot of different times and get to meet with the other parts of the community of believers. Oftentimes we find ourselves getting kind of in our own way, in our own place, in our own spot. We get comfortable, we get, but coming out of that helps me see that uh, there are other people outside of Colorado Springs, and so I'm thankful for that. So thank you again for letting me come and share. Um, I am originally from Southern California, so when she comes up here with no shoes, it makes me want to rip my shoes off, right? Because I just love the feel of sand in my toes. I know that makes some people squirm. I love sand in my toes, and I love no shoes, and I'm a big fan of flip-flops, and so I wear them all the time. Um, I had the honor of, of, of working back in uh, early 2000s. I had the honor of working for a surfing company back in Southern California, so I never had to wear shoes, ever, and it was glorious. I think the person who did invent shoes was probably straight from the devil, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just threw that out there, like, maybe that's truth. I don't know. Um, I have a wife. She's standing or sitting over there. Her name is Genevieve. My daughter, Selah, is right next to her. I also have two other, uh, three other kids, <laughs> sorry, uh, three other kids that are not over there. I have them ranging from the age of 26 all the way down to four. Now, Yes, I know. Uh, this is not a math class, so I'm going to do it for you. We adopted my daughter at nine years old, and we've, have, we've had her ever since. Uh, praise the Lord for that. She's not here. She texted me and said that she was working, which makes a father's heart like kind of leap, like, yes, you're working. <laughs> Woo! Praise Jesus. So she wasn't going to be able to be here. Um, but then I have a 10-year-old who's sitting over there. Uh, her name is Selah, and then I have a seven-year-old. His name is Landon, and then I have a four-year-old. His name is Zane. And uh, my wife and I are about ready to celebrate 19 years of marriage. I know I got married at 12 with how young I am. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that clapping, though, I want you to know, right to her, because she deserves all the clapping for that 19 years, that's for sure. Yes, thank you. There you go again. Yes, it's perfect. 19 years. 19 years goes by in a blink of an eye. I never thought I would actually say that. I sound like my parents. I sound like my dad when he says to me, man, that time, you can never get that back. That'll go away faster than you know. I think, oh, dad, you are so old. <laughs> what? And now I look and go, 19 years has gone by like that. I don't want to depress anybody, but the year is almost over. Did you know that? <laughs> I know, just, I look at it and go, it's August, or it's September. It's almost September. It's like, where did the time go? Right? We get stuck in this routine of time. We get stuck in this routine of, I have so limited time. What do I do with my time? How am I? I'm so busy at work. I go to work. I come home. I play with the kids. I eat dinner. I go to sleep. And I repeat day in and day out. Where did the time go? We soon start to realize, after maybe many years of doing that, and you sit back and go, who are my friends? Who do I hang out with? Who do I spend time with outside of my wife? I love, she's my best friend. I love that. But guess what? She, she's not a football fan. <laughs> Who do I watch football with? Who can be excited about the USC Trojans? Go Trojans. And apparently nobody. <laughs> apparently nobody can be excited about USC Trojans. All right, see you, boss. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I can't do that with her because she's not passionate about it. So I sit back and go, who can come with me? Now, I'm kind of alone 
Because, I, and I, I don't, please don't boo me, the Broncos are not my team. I know, I know. I love it when they win. I think it's great. It's fantastic. I'm a 49ers fan. You can boo again if you want. Um, but nobody's passionate about the Niners here. Nobody. And so I sit and I'm passionate by myself. Like something happens like, yeah, and I stand up and my wife's like, oh, really? So you got to find people that you can do life with. Patrick's one of those persons that I can do life with, that we can go places and we can watch a football game together and be excited about it and, and have fun together and enjoy and do life, as Patrick mentioned before, do life together because guess what? Life is going to pass us by. And it's not the money that I make that's going to last. It's not that. So let me repeat that. It's not the money you make that's going to last. It's going to be the relationships. It's going to be that that lasts. So let me ask you a question. Okay, first off, let me preface this because somebody did ask me if they shoot arrows at us in Colorado Springs because I move a lot. Okay? I, I like it. I'm putting in my miles right now on my phone. So I'm good. I'm good. It's going to go off here in a minute saying I've met my quota for today. But let me ask you a question. In the Bible, what is the first time ever it is mentioned that it is not good? The first time God ever said it is not good. Go. Okay, Genesis 2.18, what does it say? Yeah, man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Up until this point, he had said, man, look at my creation. It is good. Look at this. It is good. Look at that. It is good. Oh, look at this. That is not good. Point number one, he makes it right for us, right here. It is not good for you to be alone. Let's take away the idea that this is talking about marriage right now. Okay, let's take that out. It is not good for you to be alone. It is not good for you to do life alone. It is not good for us to live this life in solitude and alone. It is not good for you. We're going to talk about physically why it's not good. Spiritually, God says it is not good. Listen, we put values on things, don't we? We put value on the things in our house. If God forbid my house was to ever burn down, God forbid it ever happens, but I have a value system, right? Obviously, my wife and my kids, go, get in the car. You guys are number one. Go for it, right? Maybe some things are next on that list, you know, maybe your dog is on that list. I don't know if mine would be, <laughs> to be honest with you. No, I take that back. I take that back. <clears throat> I take that back. Because I want a, a, a lovely marriage. And if I did that to my wife, I would be dead for sure. She'd leave me in the house. Um, but we put values on things, don't we? We assign value to things. Right? When you buy a house, they say, how much do you think this is worth? What do you, they value, they put a, a number. They put a value system. We are learning what God values here. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, then I don't know if I can help you. Because our mentality should be, what does God say about this? What does God have to say about why I should not be alone? What does God have to say about why I should be in community? That should be our number one. So God created you for a reason. He did. He absolutely created you for a reason. And you may be sitting here thinking to yourself, what is that reason? Well, guess what? You're in good hands and company this morning. Because David even said it in Psalm chapter 8. He said, what is man? What is man that you are mindful of me? Why did you create me? He created you for two reasons. And I'm going to talk about both of them this morning. One, he created you because he has a love for you that is an everlasting love and desires fellowship with you. Desires fellowship with you from the day that you're born to the day you die. And then into eternity. Jeremiah 31.3 says, <clears throat> excuse me. 
says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. He just loves us so much that he wants to have fellowship with us. So that's number one. Number two is he created us to fulfill his plan on earth. What is that plan? We find this in Deuteronomy chapter six, (coughs) excuse me, and Matthew chapter 22. It starts with this. He says, and this is the greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. It starts there. You cannot fulfill number two if you have not first fulfilled number one. That is to love the Lord your God. Now, that word love is a Hebrew word, ahav, right? Which means, I say right, like we all know it, right? Yeah, right, like we all know this. It means, like I love my wife. It's the human love that I have towards that. That's how I'm to love God as well. Okay, that's what that verse is saying. Everything that I have is, is his. Everything that I have, my heart, my soul, my strength, everything. I don't go up there and I say, in some sickness and in health, in some richness and some poor. I don't say that to my wife when I got married. She'd walk away. She'd be like, I want all of you or nothing. That's God this morning. He says, I want all of you. He wants all of you. So that's number one. Number two, to fulfill his plan, is that we have to then do the second command, which is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. All right, let's do some more participation. Let's just say we take a big group photo, okay? Take a big group photo. I tell you where to go find it online, and it's out there. Who's the first person you look for? (laughs) Yourself. That's what I do. Oh, man, I look so chubby right there. Why do I look so chubby? You know, I should have lifted my head up more and head up, you know? Like, you do that, right? Because we love ourselves. Because we love that. We love, we, we, we do. It's okay. There's no, there's no shame in that. It's okay. That's the kind of love. Now, uh, let me back up. Not the selfish love, but the love that we have for ourselves, God is saying, I need you to love your neighbors like that. And that word love is actually the word agapeo or agape, right? We hear that in scripture throughout about God's love towards us, right? God's love towards us. So he first tells us, love me like you would love another human, like your wife. Love me like that because you're going to give me everything. Now when I ask you to love your neighbor, I'm going to ask you to go above that normal love and the love that I have for you and for the church is how I need you to love your neighbors, I read something that was pretty awesome. It says, agape love involves faithfulness, commitment, and an act of the will. Agape love is always shown by what it does. It's always shown by what it does. I am not, I I firmly believe this. Um, I was not put on this earth to do a lot of manual work. I have small hands. They blister easily. So I try to get avoided at all costs. <laughs> I really do. Like, I hate doing manual work, right? And when we built our house, they, they, they said you have to have landscaping by this time and, and all these things, and I'm just like, landscaping. Again, a word created by the devil. And I'm just like, man, I don't want to do this. Well, it's, it's not about what I want, right? I can do that for myself. I can go to my house and say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pay somebody to do it. That's great. But when my neighbor is outside struggling to lift the wheelbarrow, filled with rocks, and his eight-month-old pregnant wife is trying to shovel rocks into a thing. I'm a terrible neighbor if I said, well, I'm not very good at manual labor, so I'm just going to let them take care of it. 
That's not the kind of love that God is saying for us to have with our neighbors. He's saying to go beyond yourself, go above yourself to me and take my love that I have for them and I need you to act that out. And so I go out there and I kick around some rocks, you know, and I do some work and we, we talk and we build a relationship. And then when it comes time for me to do my fence, who's out there ready to do it with me? My neighbor. The other day, uh, another thing that we, we are not big f- uh, fans of is, is uh, HOAs, like people telling us what to do. We grew up in the strictest HOAs in the world. If you left your garage open for like 10 minutes, you get a letter. I don't know how. You get a letter. Your garage is open for a long time. It's like, what? So we're not big fans of HOAs. We understand, but our HOA says you have to have a fence and you have to have it painted, and it has to be this color brown. So, all right, fine. We go to the store last night. We get this color brown. We walk around. We say, do we need a sprayer? Because uh, remember, again, I, I want to do it quick, right? I don't want to spend a lot of time out there doing it. Time is valuable, right? So we go. We can't find a sprayer. It's just a drag. So I told my wife, I said, can you get on Facebook and message uh, the, the neighborhood Facebook page and just see if anybody has a sprayer that we could use. You know, I don't even know if I'm doing it right, but a sprayer that we could use. <clears throat> and three minutes, three minutes, Jen, three minutes, somebody wrote and said, hey, you could use ours. Guess what? I don't know this person. I've never met him a day in my life. I have no clue who they are. <laughs> hey, we're right around the corner from you. We're right up the road. So, of course, we Facebook stalk them to see if that is legit, if they really are. <laughs> It's kind of like as you get older, you know how little kids, like, you don't give little kids candy, but as I get older, it's like power tools for adults, right? It's like, yeah, come over to my house. We got power tools. You know, it's like, cool. Um, But I went over there. Maybe that went over. Um, I went over there, and the dad was like, hey, man, it's so good to meet you. Here's the device, and here's what you do, and here's how you clean it. Keep it, I mean, just take it, do what you need to do with it for a long time, and that's fine. And I walked away thinking, I love my community. I love my neighborhood. I love it. Guess what? When people say, how do you love living in a community like that? I will say, I love it. You should move there. Because it's attractional. That word attractional means it's something that we are drawn to. It's something that sparks our attention. Sparks, it, 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 it kind of, you know, does that to us. And we go, man, maybe we should move there. And I love being able to say that about my community. It's a giving, loving, sharing community. And I love that about them. Yet so many people today consider that a weakness. Did you know that? So many people consider today that it's a weakness that you share or that you ask for help or that you even need help. Guess what? I love it. Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great agape, his great love, which he showed us and loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. And there's a, a word in there called together. He made us alive together. We are on a journey together. I am not dead yet. I am not in heaven yet. Thank the Lord I'm not in heaven because this place would drag, right? This would be a total drag if this were heaven. We're not there yet, which means we need people around us, which means we still live in a fallen world, which means when our arms are weak, we need those friends next to us to raise our arms up so that we can defeat the enemy because sometimes you are tired and sometimes you are weak and sometimes it is hard to live in this world. And you need people around you who can say, I've been through what what you're going through. 
I've been through it. I'm going to help you. Literally 10 seconds before I came up here. This happens to me. I don't know why. I got a text from somebody saying, I'm done. My marriage is falling apart. I can't believe what's going on right now. I'm done. Somebody needs to smack me upside the head. I, I, I would read it to you, but it's a confidence thing. That's what I got. I was like, wait, I'm getting ready to go teach. And I've got that burden now in my heart. You know why? Because he needs me to be that arm lifter right now. But you know, there are so many people, and maybe that's you in this room this morning, that wouldn't even send a text like that because you don't want people to see how hard your marriage really is. Maybe you wouldn't send the text saying, oh my gosh, my kids, does anybody have any duct tape, please, because I'm hurting right now. You wouldn't send that because you go, this is, I don't want them to see my perfect Facebook family. I don't want them to see that. Why should I show that to them? Shame on us for even thinking that way. Shame on us for thinking. But I want to read to you something. It kind of gives us a good insight as to why maybe we think that. Paul Simon, any Paul Simon fans in here? Anybody know? Okay, good. A few of you know who Paul Simon is. It's like, oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, Simon and Garfunkel, maybe that's another. Anyway, Paul Simon wrote this song, and it came to my memory, and I don't know why. It was written in 1966. I wasn't even born. I was years later <laughs> after me. Um, not many, but years. And so he writes this song called I Am a Rock. Let me read you some of the lyrics. I've built walls of fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving. I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. Hiding in my room, safe within my womb. I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock. I am an island. We sing that. He wrote that. Now, he often says, I didn't write that about me. It wasn't about me. But guess what? It is about you. If you write it, it's about you. We encourage our kids to journal. Write it down. How you feel, write it down. He wrote that down for a reason. And today, we're still living out that. It hurts too much to put myself out there. It hurts too much. I get hurt too much when I open myself up to people. So guess what? I'm not going to open myself up. And God says, Shame on you because you were not designed to be alone. You weren't designed to be that way. Have you ever heard of the, the, the term called throwaway comments? I'll give you some. Man up. Don't cry. Girls cry. You cry too much. Get up. Stop being a wuss. Now, I've got two sons, and it's really easy sometimes for those words to roll off my lips. I'm going to open a book. I can tell you when I fail. It's easy for me to say, and, and especially in my head, it's easy for me to say, dude, you literally just fell. You're, you're, you're an inch and a half tall. How did that hurt? Like, how in the world did it hurt that you fell like that? Like you fall from five foot something, that's one thing, but you are literally this close to the ground. You're like, that's how I want to act. That's how I want to act. But guess what we do when we do that? We raise up a generation of people who will not admit when they're struggling. We'll raise up a generation of kids who will not admit to his own parents, much less anybody else, the pain and the suffering they feel. They will write it down. Have you ever seen what's written down in some of the tragedies that we've experienced in this country? The people that have hurt 
the worst in this country, they've written it down and we've missed it. We're to blame for that. But there's hope. (laughs) There's hope. There's hope for me. There's hope for me. We were never meant to be alone. We were never meant to live this life alone. I mentioned before there's physical problems along with, with chronic illness. Do you know that people that struggle with chronic, um, not illness, uh, loneliness, they have a 14% higher chance of dying than those who are surrounded by community? You could have respiratory problems, cardiovascular problems. You could have so many different things. The one that prevents me from keeping my wife happy is you, and you shop more when you're lonely. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, I better make sure <laughs> my wife's not ever lonely. <laughs> It's a physical thing as well. So not only is it mental, not only is it spiritual, but it's physical. Listen, God does not want you to be alone. He just doesn't. And it can't be more clear than that in his word. It cannot be more clear in his word. I'm gonna read to you some scriptures that are just, that are unbelievable. And things that we might skip or we read and go, yeah, amen, but are we living it out? Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 10. This is from the English Standard Version. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love, to love, and to do good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Guess what? The Bible is talking about community right there talking about community. Let's keep going. Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 44, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, right? Coming to church, that's fantastic, it's awesome. To the breaking of bread and prayers, and that's awesome. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, here's the key. And all believed, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Let's keep going. Ecclesiastics 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Galatians chapter six, verses two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law, do it. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And finally, in 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Man, that is so hard. That one is so hard. You almost want to like, can I just not do that one? Maybe it's just me. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace who speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, the agape love that God supplies you, not of yourself because you can't do it. Listen, I will get tired of you very quickly. I'm open book. I will get tired of you very quickly. If I don't have God's power and God's love in me, guess what? I can't love you the right way. I can love you my way. My way is selfish. My way is selfish. Let's keep going. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We don't be good neighbors. We don't neighbor well because it makes us feel good. We neighbor well because, one, God is telling us 
to neighbor well. I don't care how you feel this morning. It's not about how we feel. It's about what God wants. God gets what he wants. Do we deliver what he wants? I don't know. I have a hard time with that sometimes. Listen, my wife, and I'm gonna go into a little personal stuff here. And Genevieve, I love you. I love you, I love you. When we, um, we were back, let me start back in Southern California. We were newly married. We, we uh, were youth pastors at the time. Uh, we've been youth pastors, worship leaders, missions pastors, college pastors, young adult pastors. And we've done that all together, right? Because I, I couldn't do it without her. Um, but we were young, we were, we were youth pastors, and we had a group of friends that we would hang out with and we would do things, and again, like I said, and maybe I didn't make it clear, but I was, we were literally just beach bums. Like, all we did, it revolves around the beach. Everything we did, right? So, Fridays would come around, they'd get off work, they'd get off a little early, we'd head to the beach, we'd go surf for a little while. Then as, we, as the night would end, we would uh, head back to a buddy's house. First off, we'd get Mexican, which is always a priority, right? It's always next on the priority, surf, and then Mexican food. Um, that's my love language, by the way, is food. Um, Mexican food at that. <laughs> I love Mexican food, and we have no good Mexican food down in Colorado Springs. All right, I digress. Then we'd go to a, a buddy's house, and we'd sit in his jacuzzi. I know this is a rough life, right? It's like, man, you're lame. You stink. Uh, we'd still sit in his jacuzzi, and then we'd talk about things. How's the church going? Good. Hey, what about that girl you were dating? Whatever happened with that? Oh, man, I'm sorry that that happened. Oh, what a bummer. Oh, yeah, you did. Hey, how's work going? We would just chat and talk every Friday, every Friday. Then we started having kids, and we had adopted, and we were bringing them into the fold of things. Listen, this was a small group that we didn't call a small group because back in the early, in the 2000, literally in 2000, we weren't really calling things small groups. It was just a group of friends that we did life together with, right, that we did life together. Well, fast forward to 2006, and we moved to Colorado Springs. We don't know anybody, okay? We had no, uh, nobody, no soul in Colorado Springs, uh, except for Jenny's parents, and um, and I love them, but I don't want them to be my only friends, you know? So we were kind of hungry for friends. We had experienced that in California. And so we came here like we need this in our lives. Like we have to have it. And so my wife, who I love dearly, who is the everything to me, grabs the new life book that's about this thick and opens it up and says, I found our group. I said, oh, Great. Great. Who is it? I don't know. They just look normal. <laughs> she literally opened the book, I love you, and said, This couple looks the most normal. Let's go there. And I'm like, Sounds good to me. <laughs> so we go. And we're about ready to walk into this house. Granted, again, we don't know anybody, nobody knows us. And we stopped at the front of the door. And we looked at each other like, should we do this? This is so scary. <laughs> what if these people aren't normal? What if they're weird? <laughs> and then, you know, the whole gamut of fears comes into your mind. What if we don't have anything in common? What if they don't like the way I'm dressed? What if they think I'm weird? What if, what if, what if? And we thought to ourselves, do we go back to our car? Do we just walk away? So that's the battle going on in our mind, right? And so we defeat that battle with saying, no, we need this. We know we need it. We, we, we have to have it. So 
open the door. We walk in and have a wonderful time together. An awesome time. In fact, such a great time that 10 years later, we don't even live in the same state with many of those people. But guess what? We vacation together. All our kids are growing up almost together because they live on Facebook with each other. It's like, hey, this person is, is 10 now. Hey, my girl's just, you know, and they do this. We just had a couple from our, our, our group stay with us on their way through Colorado. Like I said, we go on vacations together. We built something deeper than just a group. We built a community. We built people that we could do lives with, and we grew that to something that was wonderful and magical. And it can't die. That will not die. I moved away to California for two years uh, to handle some sickness in my family, and it wasn't like Patrick's and I relationship got on put on hold. Just the opposite. It grows. When you do life with people around you, that relationship will grow in distance. It won't just disappear. And so don't look at groups as something where we're just telling you, join a group, and then wait for that group to end, and then join another group. No, I want you to do life with people around you. That is how you're going to see the greatest. Well, then, fast forward from that time to today, and my wife and I, we have to lead groups. We have to do that because we know what we experienced way back in 2000 as being something that God has commanded from the beginning of time and that we should not be alone. We understood that. We understood it. And so through the years, we've grown in that. We started as just discovering what community was to actually pursuing community when we moved here. And now we are leading it because we know God is calling us to do that. We know it. So, two things to close here. And I'm, I'm over, sorry. Two things to close. One, if you say you don't need anybody, you're a liar. Two, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be nervous. You're stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit. It's okay. My wife and I, I'm very extroverted, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> My wife, not so much. We both were nervous. It's okay. It's okay to feel scared. Listen, you guys are getting ready to embark on something that is going to be an awesome opportunity for you to step out of your comfort zone a little bit and get involved in a community. Listen, this is great. Okay, this is great. I love my church family. I love them to death. But you know what I love doing even more? Golfing. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Apparently, I'm not a very good golfer if she's laughing at it about it. Um, Golfing with my group because we get to talk about things that I can't talk about at church, per se. I went through a difficult time recently, and I called on my buddy who is in North Carolina. I said, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Just, just hear me out. Tell me what you think. And he was able to pray for me. He was able to lift my hands in a time of weakness. That would have never happened had I not answered that call to knock on the door of that house. How many opportunities have you missed to be the helper that God is calling you to be? It's not a question about whether or not he is It's when are you going to answer that call to be the helper to somebody else that he's asking you to be. So, a few challenges. One is, join a small group. It'll change your life. It will. It has changed my life. It has turned me into somebody that I couldn't even see 17 years ago. 
It has made me passionate about others. It has made me passionate about others. You want to agape people? You want to love them like yourself? You have to step out of your comfort zone. You have to join a group. You have to be around people that might stretch you a little bit, that might pull on you a little bit, that might ask a lot of you. Listen, if you think that I like 30 people in my house destroying it, I don't. I don't even like my kids destroying it, much less somebody else's kids destroying it. I don't, but I don't do it for me. I do it because God is asking me, he's telling me, we gotta do it. We have to love well. You have to love well. If you this morning understand the value of small groups and you say, amen, I love small groups, I wanna do it, I'm super stoked, well, here's my challenge to you. Don't stop there, lead it. Lead it. You're passionate about it, lead it. Guess what? I can never tell my kids I am passionate about community if I don't lead it, if I don't exude it, if I don't have people at my house, if I don't go out of my comfort zones. You can't ever tell your kids to do something if you're not doing it. And shame on us if we try. We can't do that. So in order for us to live that way, in order for us to tell our kids you can't go through life alone, you cannot be going through life alone. I don't want my kids ever to come and say, Dad, you look so lonely. Dad, you look so lonely. You were never meant to be alone. We were created for community. We're gonna pray now. We're gonna spend a few minutes in prayer. And I want you, if that is you this morning, if you are feeling that way, if you say, in your heart, you're saying, I, just, I am alone. I don't have anybody. The study that I learned through, I think it said 60% of the married couples felt alone. Each one, husband or wife. That is too high. Why, how do you, why is that possible? It's because we're not living out the commandment that God said it is not good for you to be alone. Because we're not opening up ourselves to those people who want to lift our hands up. We're not opening ourselves up to those people who want to say, I want to be a help in your time of need. We're not doing those things, and God is just saying, why? Why? And I'm saying that exact thing this morning. Why? Why not? And so I'm gonna pray, and if that is you this morning, you're feeling lonely, I'm gonna pray that God comes and when he floods your heart with that feeling, those shadow of the Almighty just covers you with his wings, and that you just experience joy this morning. That's what I'm first gonna pray for because I want you to have that, that joy to know that you're not alone. The second thing I'm gonna pray for is that you would step out of your comfort zone and answer the call that God is calling right now, and that is to be in a group or to be in a community of believers. So Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you so much that, Lord, you believe in us, that you believe that we can be more than what it is that we're doing right now. You've actually called us to do that because you can empower us to do that exact thing. And so right now, as, I, as all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed, I pray for that person, that one person here that is feeling alone, that is feeling dark, that is feeling hurt, that says to themselves, why don't I have anybody? Why don't I have anybody to, to watch this with? Why don't I have anybody to experience this with? I pray for them. I pray that you would flood their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. That they would experience true fellowship with you first. That God, they would realize I'm not alone because I've got the Lord who created me out of love and desire and wants me to have fellowship with him. But God, that you've called them to do more 
than just know that. And so I pray for our second group here this morning that understands the value of community. I pray that group number one would get to that, and I pray for group number two that they would go even deeper, that they would go even further, that it wouldn't stop with just knowing, but God, it would be acting. And so this morning, will you put in our hearts the desire to be more than what we are right now, to be a better neighbor to our neighbors, to be a a better spouse to our spouse, yes, to do all those things, but to go above and beyond that and to love you deeper and to want to lead others closer to you. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for the work that you're going to do in the next seven weeks as groups get started and other things start to happen. But, Lord, let that be a start to this, not a finish, not an end. May it be a start. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you're going to do. It's in your holy and your awesome name. And all of God's people agreed. Amen. Thank you guys very much. Hey, I wrote down a couple of things uh, from PJ. I, I know these are from the Lord. The first one, power tools are like candy for men. But you, you didn't hear that, did you? Power tools, they're like candy for men, okay? Secondly, though, this is, this is really the, the, the moment of bringing it home, and, and thank you, PJ. Um, we struggle in a world where we say, I don't want people to know my, strength, my struggles. I don't want people to know my problems. I don't want people to know what I'm going through. I don't want people to know the real me. But biblical community says the opposite. It says, I want to find a group of people that know the real me. I want to find a group of people where I can share my struggles, where I can, I can be really who I am. And that really is that key component of small groups. And I want to encourage you guys, this may be a, a very new thing for you. Uh, when you leave today, out in the foyer, uh, there's an opportunity for you to sign up for some groups and classes. And, and uh, those are starting on September 10th. And uh, Pastor Joe's going to be out there, a handful of other people. And I want to encourage you to find a community. And, and it may be a stretch for you. Maybe something that, um, maybe there's a little bit of anxiousness Maybe you're at the doorway the same way that PJ and his wife were of saying, but what if they're weird? What if, what if they don't like me? And, and I realized there are some risks that we take in life. And, and I want to tell you this, community is a risk worth taking. It's a risk worth taking. There's an opportunity for you to sign up for some of those groups. Um, they just run seven weeks with this campaign. So it's not a huge time investment, but it's a significant one. And I want to encourage you to stop by, talk with Pastor Joe, uh, those other folks out there, and just see if there's a group that maybe you could get uh, connected to. Maybe you, could, maybe you could just say, which one is the most normal? You know, I don't know. You just, whatever, listen, whatever it takes for you to get to a place where you say, all right, I'm going to do this. Um, I want to encourage you to do that. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about opportunities to lead groups. Because I really do believe this. I believe that some of you guys, God actually is calling you to lead some groups, to be somebody who actually helps develop community. Um, We're going to transition into a time of communion here before we close today. It's just an opportunity for us to reflect on the price that Jesus paid so that we could experience this. So that we could, he calls us his his body, his family. We're, We're his people. We're his community. And had it not been for what Jesus Christ went through, 
we wouldn't have the opportunity to experience this together in Christ. And so it's one of those moments that we take each week to just remember, just to reflect. In a couple of minutes here, our servers are coming forward and um, we have communion, a couple of different options here. And one of them is that you could just come forward and you could tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup with with one of our servers. Another is that we have a self-serve option up here, some gluten-free wafers and some Um, some cups up here that you're welcome to just uh, partake of. But I want to take a moment. We're just going to pray. Uh, Communion is a significant thing. It's not a ceremonial thing. I want you to hear me on that. It's not a ceremonial thing. It's a significant thing that Jesus asked us to do. And so we're going to do that today, and we're going to give it our full attention. Uh, Scripture says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he passed it around to all of his disciples, his community, the people that he walked through life together with. And he, he said, take this bread, break it, receive this bread. This is my body. It's broken for you. This was part of the price that he was talking about, that he was paying for them. They had no idea what was about to happen. But he said, this is, this is my body. It's broken for you. This is part of the price that I'm willing to pay so that one day we could be together, but also so that this body, this church, really be established scripture then says that in the same way he took a cup he passed it around and he said now this this cup is my blood it's a new covenant it's a new way that I'm making for you because I realize that you cannot earn this you can't be good enough you can't be perfect enough to earn this salvation that I'm talking about this righteousness that scripture calls on and talks about is not something that you can do on your own. And so because of my blood, I'm doing this for you. And he's talking about his ultimate price that he's paying on the cross. There's a brand new way now. And every time we say this, it it, it evokes an amen inside because you realize when, when Jesus says you don't have to be perfect anymore. And you can say, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for me. And so I'm going to ask our service if they would go ahead and come forward. We're going to pray over the, uh, the bread, Christ's body. We're going to pray over the cup, his blood. And we're going to remember, and that's what this is. It's remembering what Jesus did and celebrating the price that he paid because he won something for us. The victory that he brought to us when he said, um, you used to be dead. But now, Corinthians says, because of the blood of Christ, you've been brought near and you're alive. Now, that's what we celebrate. Would you guys pray with me together this morning? Father, thank you uh, for sending your very best, your one and only son, because you loved us so much um, that you wanted to be with us. Not only did you create us for a relationship here in this earth, But God, you wanted us to be with you for eternity and you knew that there was something that was separating us and that was our sin. But you knew we couldn't earn it. You knew we couldn't undo it. But your son Jesus could pay the price for us. So thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, thank you for um, giving it all, for loving us fully, loving us completely, loving us all the way to the cross. And we remember that today. We remember the price that you paid for our sake. 
But Jesus, we also celebrate this other thing, and that is this new life, because you overcame death, hell, and the grave. You rose again, and you brought us a new life that we get to celebrate now, and we get to live it out together in community. And so we thank you for that. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I encourage you guys to go ahead and... and uh,